Hello, hello, this is Pete from Box Office 30. I wanted to tell you all about something exciting I'm working on and invite you to be a part of it. Recently, I started a little online business selling comic books and other collectibles on the Whatnot platform. It's called Pete's Comics and Collectibles. Apt name, right? What is Whatnot, you may be asking yourself? Well, it's kind of a weird blend between Twitch and eBay. You can find all sorts of great collectibles, both modern and vintage. There's tons of different categories you can follow, and what you do is join live shows that the sellers are putting on, and you can see what they're selling, and chat with them in real time, chat with others in real time, and place bids on items that you might be interested in. Really cool, really fun, and if you win, the items are shipped directly to you. Couldn't be easier. And if you join using my link, you'll actually receive $10 to use in the app. So sign up now at whatnot.com slash invite slash Pete's Comics to get your $10. And that's coincidentally the name of my channel, Pete's Comics. So whether you're a new user or somebody who's been using Whatnot for a while, I'd love for you to come check out my stream. I sell lots of fun stuff, lots of old comics, lots of new comics, lots of other stuff coming up. Maybe some baseball cards, Magic the Gathering, who knows? Again, that's Pete's Comics on the Whatnot app. Hope to see you soon. Thanks. is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And, and this, this is, is Box Office 30. 30. And the heat is intense It's barbaric, but hey, it's home When the wind's from the east And the sun's from the west And the sand in the glass is right Come on down, stop on by Hop a carpet and fly To another Arabian night Welcome to Box Office 30 for December 1992. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, thank you. It's, uh, it's getting into the holiday spirit here. I'm getting <laughs> getting festive. Uh, there's a lot going on, but uh, things are good. How are you? Is, is that code for like panicking and full of anxiety because you still got Christmas shopping to do and you don't know what well, to get I, people? Because so, that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> so funny enough, I'm done. Now it's just a matter of the wrapping part. But my dad calls me up. And granted, it's a week before Christmas. My dad calls me up last night and he goes, what do I get your mom? 
Nice. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm like, good job, dad. So now I have to help him figure out what to get her for Christmas. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, thankfully, I don't get that call anymore. I remember back in the day, Christmas with my dad was always him driving my brother and I in his truck up to the Bridgehampton Commons and going, all right, which store this time? And you'd like, you know, like take a look around and be like, all right, uh, Gap or Ann Taylor or or whatever, and then he'd like hand you a hundred bucks and be like, "All right, go in and get a hundred dollar gift card." <laughs> just like, like that was like the extent of our our shopping spree there. So it was always um, unique to say the least. <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. That's that's very on on brand for your dad. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm trying to like do slightly better. With my kids, I try and take them around to a couple stores and try and pick out, you know, what, what's something that mommy would like. And, you know, um, depending, you know, the older one's a little better about it. The younger one is like, oh, how about this? And it's like, I don't know if mommy wants. <laughs> a Barbie. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's always an adventure. <laughs> but That's I'm trying funny. to let, let them make choices while I'm trying to helpfully inform their decision. But we'll see. I still have to go do that maybe this weekend. Nice. Um, I digress. <laughs> anyway, um, I figure let's just jump right into it um, with some new and new to you. Okay, what do you got for me, sir? So it's a movie that I've been kind of interested in for a while, and it just hit Netflix. Is a movie called Emily the Criminal with uh, Aubrey Plaza. Uh, oh, okay. I, I haven't finished it yet, but it's it starts off really slow and and kind of drags, but then once it gets into it, it's it's pretty exciting, and it's basically uh, she's kind of a I don't know if she's kind of a recovering alcoholic or she just like she got a, a, a DUI or whatever and is having a hard time finding a, a steady job and somehow falls into a ring of, you know, crime lords or stuff like that. And she's like does various crimes and felonies and, and so on and so forth. <laughs> does and, crimes. <laughs> and and the the web gets weaved crazier and more convoluted as the story goes along. But it's interesting. It's kind of a fun movie. Um, much more heavy than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more jovial, but it's pretty heavy. So I was like, oh, interesting. That's about well, all I got. Yeah, that does sound heavy. <laughs> oh, um, I have another yeah, one go too. Go for it, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before in the podcast or not. I watched The Samaritan, the Sylvester Stallone superhero wow. movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, I was like, I know it sounds familiar. I was trying to place it. It's on Amazon <laughs> Prime. Jeez, oh, what just, the heck was that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I opened the trailer and it just put some sort of ad on. Um, so The Samaritan is basically Sylvester Stallone's take on being, you know. Rocky, if he was a retired superhero, essentially. Nice. And uh, it's a very predictable movie. And uh, it, it's it's almost like you can almost telegraph the story. But it's, it's a decent kind of gritty superhero movie in the vein of kind of like a, a wannabe Unbreakable in a way. Okay. But um, 
it, it's it's fine. I mean, it's fine for Amazon Prime. And you know, the, the kid who's in the movie is actually the best part of the movie. Um, Stallone is fine, and the ending of the movie is like erder. Like this was obvious <laughs> from, from the get go, but overall, it's it's a good you know, want to watch something on your phone kind of movie. It's good. So I was struggling to try and remember what I've watched this past <laughs> month because the dates are less clear these days given that we sort of record this all over the place is the word I'll use. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I was trying to think, cause like, I feel like I might have mentioned to you in the, the last time around that we did this, that I had seen black Panther, mm-hmm. but I don't think you had seen it yet. So I didn't want to like do like too deep. A, I still a haven't seen it. Right? I, yes, this is true. I still haven't seen it, but you can talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait till Yeah, I mean, honestly, it would be fine to even just do like another like, you know, bigger look at it once you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. Um, And I thought it was an interesting um, intro into um, Namor, Namor and like essentially his whole group and sort of how they're, you know, handling him because they're sort of doing it differently than his comic past. So I'm curious. I know you're a big fan of Namor, so I'm curious what your take will ultimately be on it. But for yeah, now, let me... I'll, I'll have to see it. I'll probably see it over, like, the Christmas winter recess yeah. of some sort. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I All I'm going to say, and again, I haven't seen the movie, I don't like the look. Like, it, <laughs> it doesn't feel like the comics. You know, I understand where they're going with it. It's sort of like a Mayan history sort of a thing. I I get that. I just it, the the like the the big earrings and the nose thing kind of are a little distracting for me. And from just the trailers that I've seen, in my opinion, that's about. Yeah, all I, I hear you. I mean, I I think it kind of fades in after a while, like when the story and everything else gets going. So I'd be curious your take okay. after the fact. But it is it is a different take on. Um, Namor, Namor, and like the 30 other versions of his name that they call him in the movie. <laughs> oh, really? He seems to want to pronounce it the, the same way. They, the they can't get it straight. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's always a good sign. Um, okay. So funny enough, like, again, it's been another one of these months where I've been watching mostly TV. And at that, I've been mostly kind of going back and watching fun stuff like Arrested Development that we haven't seen in a while. Oh, that's um, But I have at least one movie that I definitely want to mention here. And it fits the time of season. So if you all haven't seen it, this was a um, Apple TV pick is Spirited mm-hmm. um, with Ryan Reynolds and um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. <laughs> thank you. I'm like Will, but I'm like I was about to call him Forte and I'm like, it's not Forte. It's Ferrell. Um, yes, it was amazing. Um, That's what I've it, heard. Was, it was really, really funny. Really well done. Um, it caught me off guard. Is it like a, it was like a Ebenezer Screws kind of story? Yeah, well, it's it's a very different take on like the Christmas story. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not spoilery to say this. Essentially, like they do this as like a like a job, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, sort of post Scrooge, like the original Ebenezer Scrooge, and and doing you know that. Um, Jacob Marley sort of starts like a afterlife business where he they're like haunting somebody they pick somebody every year who they think is like the most you know scrooge like (laughs) scrooge like but also somebody they know that they could probably turn around like not like a lost cause sort of person Uh, okay um and so they have this one guy kind of lined up and like um will ferrell plays the ghost of christmas present so he kind of has the most 
lifting to do mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, but <laughs> is Ryan Reynolds, the guy they got to lift up. It, eventually they start okay. off with this other guy and like, you know, Will Ferrell's kind of feeling tired. He's been doing this for like hundreds of years or something. And so he's like, I, you know, I kind of don't want to do this anymore. I'm not kind of not feeling it anymore. He's like, I feel like it's not challenging anymore. And then like, they happen to see Ryan Reynolds walk through as like, they were trying to like, look at the other guy in preparation for mm-hmm. doing their haunting. And he's like, no, this is our guy. Cause he like, he just, he's just ridiculous. And like, uh, uh, just a terrible person. So they're like, well, we don't really want to do him because he's a lost cause. So then it becomes like Will Ferrell trying to like fight them to get to do him. And it, it all goes from there, but it's a musical and it's hilarious and it's got heart to it. And it's really funny, like laugh out loud, funny, definitely worth a watch from anybody that has access to, uh, Apple TV. <laughs> That's cool. You know what's funny? And this kind of sparked a thought in my head here. So there's been a handful of new Christmas movies that came out this year. But yes. you know what no one is talking about? The Christmas Story sequel. I still haven't seen it yet. You know, um, I feel like a lot of people were talking about it before it hit in so much as like, I'll see it. You know, I love the first one. I'll see it. Or... Why would I watch that? The original is perfect. I can't believe they made this. Like, I feel like that was the two things I was seeing constantly. Then post it coming out. Hey, I didn't even know it had come out. I just right. like, saw it like, oops, it's there because nobody was talking, talking about, about it. it at all. So, yes, yeah. that one went under the radar. Um, and that's what I was going to say is I've, I've seen a few other things, but they tend to be more like kids movies because we start showing them like Christmas movies this time of year. You didn't watch the so, Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie? No. <laughs> Is, she, is it new? Is she yes. still doing something? I, yes. you know, I'm never they're, sure when she calls out from under her rock. They're, they're calling it her comeback film. Wow. <laughs> She's trying to get in on that uh, Hallmark uh, spot that Candace Bure um, left behind. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we watched like another, like, I think it was called Scrooge, like another mm-hmm. Christmas Carol, but it was an animated, like a 3D movie. I, we watched that with the kids and it was, it was fine. It was what you would expect. Um, the other one that i would bring up which is a new to me and it's something that you enjoyed and told me i should watch also ryan reynolds is the adam project oh Um, so good i just finally saw it last night it's funny it's enjoyable but i was also feeling left at certain times like all right so i'll I'll give you kind of some of my problem things and you'll you'll tell me what what you feel about it so problem number one was um and i forget the actress's name she's a fabulous actress but they did like the um like not spoiler alert they did like the like young age conversion on her because she's her older self in the movie but then she's also her younger self when they've traveled back in time mm-hmm. and it Is was like wait oh, oh, who plays his mom you mean no uh the, like the business partner Oh yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Okay. Like, um, like the like the woman who like is essentially like hounding him in the beginning of the movie, and then she's like chasing him. Oh yeah, all yeah, throughout yeah, the movie. Right, yes. So they they meet up with her younger self, and you find out that she's been like coming back to like visit her younger self because she was jealous essentially of the success that that um, uh, Mark Ruffalo had, and mm-hmm. that he's considered like the father of time travel. And oh, like, meanwhile, oh, yeah. it's her Kath- business. Catherine like, Keenan's character. Yeah, Catherine yeah, yeah. Catherine Keenan, thank you. So, like, they, like, like de-age her, and it's maybe the worst de-aging I've seen yet. You know what I mean? Like, they've done a lot of that in recent years. Um, some of it is hit, some of it is missed. You know, I know a lot of people have issue with, like, how um, Tarkin and Leia look in, like, Rogue One. 
Um, I know that there's issue that people have with even like Luke Skywalker, the, in the English, uh, the Irishman, people have a lot of Irishman was a, yeah, you know, but like, I feel like this is maybe the clunkiest one that I've seen oh. yet. It, it really threw That's me fair. for a loop when that happened. So I was like, uh, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, you know, it is like a Netflix thing or whatever, but like yeah. Netflix throws around some money. So I was a little bummed that that was kind of as funky as it was, but that's almost more nitpicky. I think one of the other things that was bugging me then was just like, <laughs> like the, the rules they set up for how things work, like weren't continuously followed. Mm-hmm. So like, again, these are like weird nitpicky things, but things that were so blatant that I noticed them like on first viewing, like they, um, Ryan Reynolds has like that, like, like ball lightsaber staff thing, whatever you would call it. And like, if he touches any of those like guys that just, I don't really understand their thing. Like they just sort of like materialize. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're saying like that they're like showing up from out of time or like maybe they're visibility suits or something. Um, But I was like, why do you need this whole like wormhole projector to fly a ship through, but then these people could just like walk through. Why wouldn't you just walk through? You know, I don't know. It was, it was very confusing, like in, in that respect, but he waxed them and they turned into like this very pretty colorful dust. But then like in the big fight scene towards the end, when he's fighting with like the guy that's got like the scar on his face, like underdeveloped, like henchman guy, mm-hmm. um, like Ryan Reynolds is doing all this like twirly, twirly spinning stuff. And he's grabbing visibly the part that's the balls, not like the metal part in the middle. And yeah. it like didn't seem to do anything to him, but like if he touches anybody else with it, they like explode. I don't know. It's just weird. And then like that like bullet that she fires, like even though it's got its like magnetic metal core, like does this bizarre physics breaking thing where it like spins around and like turns and goes. To, yeah, I don't know. It, it was just like there were some like weird little things that were convenient like that. The three of them like playing catch at the end. I was like, oh my god, this is so hokey and they even i think ryan reynolds is like really this is what we're gonna do sort of thing so i don't know there's just like some stuff like that that kind of left it a little bit like b for me rather than a like whereas it could have it almost was there but i i say all that like as nitpicky stuff it was a fun movie it was enjoyable i sat and watched it and had a good time the kid that they got is magical because he's great right he's really good it's like you have to pick a specific person to be a ryan reynolds mimic and this kid was nailing it. Like, Nail, I'm so curious it. to see what he goes on to do as a career. Like, he's either going to quit acting as a child actor here and go on and become, like, a lawyer or something. <laughs> or he's going to be Ryan Reynolds in, like, 20, 30 years. You know, it's going to be, like, that actor in that period of time. So it's it's really interesting. I'm really curious to see where he goes from there. But, uh, but it was a very fun movie. You know what? I, I think a lot of it is it's a byproduct of early filming during the pandemic. Yeah. And, and uh, trying yeah. to... to a, a, a deal with that and like the smaller crews and the smaller cast and all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, it could be this big movie, but it's really kind of set up in, in kind of small places, if, if you will. Yeah. And, and like I said, again, my stuff is very nitpicky. It's just things that were like kind of pulling me out of it, which was mm-hmm. unfortunate, but um, overall it's, it's fun. And so, you know, like I noticed on, Netflix it even had like a marker that said like most liked you know sort of thing so uh, there's a lot of people out there that like it so I'm, I'm certainly not taken away from that but I just had some especially just like in the last 30 or so minutes I had things that were kind of pulling me out it almost that's felt fair. like the ending that's wasn't fair. as polished as the rest no, no, um, no judgment that's fine I fear I so the only other one I'll mention and it's only because timing wise I'm probably not going to want to talk about it next month 
is I started yesterday and I'm exactly halfway through and you're going to laugh when I say what it is. Moonfall. Do you remember? This I watched movie? it. I watched it. <laughs> I watched that too. Yes. That's on my, I, I forgot. I, I watched it and I forgot that I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can understand very quickly why I, um, I'm halfway through. I do completely intend to finish the rest of it. It's, and it was absolutely like, I'm putting this on because I know it's going to be like a terrible movie. Um, it's surprisingly a little better than I thought it was right? going to it's be. A, it's a little better than I thought it was going to be. You know, be. it's it's in the vein of every one of these like Roland Emmerich style like disaster type yeah. movies. It's a unique spin on it. Um, you know, compared to some of these other things, I feel like at least again another one where I don't think the physics and all that is right, entirely adding yes, up. <laughs> Wait till the last like twenty minutes of that movie. You're just like, how does this make it? Yeah. The, the science is just bonkers at this point. Yeah, like, I, honestly, this no movie, sense. like, especially like with like the whole like moon is a super structure thing and all this. This movie seems like it was written by like you know a a flat <laughs> earther or something like that. <laughs> you know, like it's it's got some like bizarre stuff going on that are they're like you know employing into the middle of this plot. Yeah. Um, but I had to say, because it's the commentary that I made to Ange when she came in last night, whatever happened to Halle Berry? Right. Like, remember when she was like, <laughs> like, like the, the biggest star boring, in Hollywood? Yeah. Huge actress. I feel like she just kind of takes anything these days. Like, I don't know what that's about. I was like, she's playing opposite Patrick she's- Wilson here. And again, Patrick Wilson He's had his good stuff, but he's had a lot of dogs. You know, like, this, this is one of his better roles, I think. He's he's fine in this movie. He's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought he was like really hilariously over the top in some of the scenes so far. Yes, like he's, scene with he, goes, he goes like from that. like he goes from to big. Yeah, real <laughs> big, real big. Yeah, <laughs> his little um, sidekick I in the movie as Ocean Master in. Uh, yeah, he's in good in that. So I can't take away. But I was just like, man. I remember when Halle Berry was like doing big, big stuff, and it's just like uh, now she's just like I don't know, maybe she's just some gambling debts or something. <laughs> I just don't know she, why she's she, she's a, had a handful a of divorces like that I think play into a role to it. Yeah. She's got quite a few yeah. divorces. Yeah, uh. so that, that that might play into it, but yeah, I mean, listen, she's again fine in the movie. They could have literally cast anybody; it didn't have to be her, but like. She's fine. He's fine. I mean, she's good in it. Yeah. You know, like if anything, like she's like the water that like raises all ships yeah. in the, the movie. You know, <laughs> the guy who's his, his sidekick is the best part of the movie, though. He is really he's the comic relief. but He's also like the the genius that figures it all out. You know, he's, well, the, he's you know, you know who the, he is and you have no frame of reference for it. He was a major character on Game of Thrones. Oh, I would. have um, yeah. yeah. And so like, you know, we, like having missed that, like he was a big deal character. Um, I mean, like, as as much as any of the like, ensemble cast is, but like, one would assume he was a guy that they point. brought in and sort of stole the scenes there, and then like same thing, he stole the scenes here too. And I've seen him in a couple other things he's popped up in, and I'm glad that he's getting work post Thrones. But um, he, he's kind of fun like that. Like he's kind of like somebody that's like you feel like he was just like vanilla pudding, but all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. He comes out and he's like a ton of fun to watch. So, yeah, he's uh, a lot of fun to watch. He, yeah. he he steals the movie in most cases, and uh, he's a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed him. You know the there's a narrative in the movie of like, uh, what's the main character's name again in real life? Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. He his son like apparently he gets arrested for like drunk driving or reckless dri- and i'm just and it's like he's like she's trying to escape from the cops so they have like the whole like helicopter chase going yeah on or something and, like and there's this whole narrative where he's got to free his son from prison and like 
I'm like, there's a, there's a certain part of the movie where I'm like, the kid is probably dead now. <laughs> He's probably dead. He's in prison. He's probably dead. But okay, we're gonna save him. Sure, <laughs> fine. But anyway, I digress. All right. Well, uh, a little last uh, piece of business. I had some um, box office news that I thought I'd mention just because um, the elephant in the room, or the elephant at least about to walk into the room uh, here in the United States, is Avatar: The Way of Water, and. I'm really curious how this film is going to do. I, I really feel like I can't call it because I feel like it's either going to just, you know, it might not reach the success of the original, but it's either going to be another one of these like billion dollar movies that like, you know, another James Cameron, like top of, you know, top 10 of all time, you know, <laughs> raking in the money list. They better hope it does well because they've already filmed the other one, right? They've already filmed the next one. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I can't remember if they... I think they filmed them back to back. Aren't that, but I do know that they're like already a half a billion dollars deep on this one before marketing, just okay. production. So they got to make a billion dollars to essentially like almost break even. I think with this movie, when when all the numbers come out, um, but there's a little bit of like international, um, numbers ahead already, because I think it only just came out like yesterday or today, like maybe it was a midnight release, early release, I forget. Um, but, uh, essentially, uh, the overseas numbers are, are just kind of like funny and interesting to look at. So I have this article from variety that was mm-hmm. explaining it in like a really nice bite-sized way. Um, and they said that in the international box office, it's so far, and this is as of you know the other day, collected 15.8 million from 15 overseas markets on opening day. So that's just the opening day number, 15.8 million international. Um, I'm just going to read verbatim what they have here. Disney, which is backing the ambitious sequel, says ticket sales were 124% ahead of Avatar, roughly 70% of, ahead of Top Gun Maverick, and 13% of Jurassic World Dominion. Though The Way of Water is expected to reach blockbuster status, it may fall short of record-setting numbers in its inaugural weekend. The studio is also reporting that initial returns were 12% behind Star Wars The Force Awakens and 23% behind Spider-Man No Way Home in comparable markets, two recent tentpoles that notched mega debuts. So the article goes on from there, but I just thought it was interesting that essentially, you know, given that first day number, it's already off to a better start than at least the original Avatar mm-hmm. was. And, you know, we've been kind of measuring everything this year against Top Gun Maverick, which sort of blew everybody out of the water, um, especially in some overseas markets. So yeah. it, it's going to be really interesting because I felt like the original Avatar had interest and probably had like good like first day and weekend numbers. But that's one that I felt like picked up steam by word of mouth that people were like, you've got to well, see this. Three well, just blue like blue cat people, <laughs> you know, just like Titanic, though. It was a matter of like, you know, it caught fire as people were talking about it. But I feel like you know, just like the original Avatar, this is one of those movies that you can only really enjoy it in the theater. Once you try to watch yeah. it on your home television, no matter how big your screen is, it's never going to be as big as an IMAX theater. In well, 3D. it's true. You know, I tried showing Zoe Avatar like maybe six months to a year or so ago. And she was like, Meh. And she no, she didn't want to see it. She was afraid of of like the blue cat people. She kind of just was like, you know, like noping out of it. So I was like, all right, whatever. So as it was coming around to this one, I was like, you know what? I'd like to, to rewatch that. And so I asked her, I was like, I was like, you know, you didn't want to watch this before, but I, I put on like the trailer and she's like, oh, that looks fun. And I'm like, you, you know, maybe it was like a full year ago or so um, because she's kind of like, you know, matured in that time as far as like, you know, not being as scared of her shadow sort of mm-hmm. things like this. 
So she saw the trailer. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that. And so she watched it with me. And A, it's a real long movie. It's a lot longer than I remembered. And this one it's, that's it's, coming it, out is also three plus hours. Yeah, it's, so, I think the first one's like 315 or something like that. Something yeah, I think this one's about that, if not like maybe even a touch longer. Um, so, you know, it took it took a little break in the middle for her to like go and get some kid energy out. But we came back <laughs> and she, she finished it out. And now she wants to go see the new one. So she's only had the home experience. She hasn't had like the 3D gigantic, Mm -hmm. you know, especially because like I was watching that on like the the big, big IMAX in New York, which is like the only way in my mind to ever see (laughs) a movie, you know, like uh, for those without, um, you know, the the point of reference. I don't think it's the biggest IMAX screen in the world, but it's probably in the top five. Oh, yeah. Um, And theater is if you've seen an IMAX movie like they're huge and they're great. But this screen like puts it to shame. It's like they had like a comparison, I think, of like the AMC 25 IMAX and then like the 68th Street IMAX. And it was like one was like this little corner and then the other one was like this, like, you know, three times the size of it. So it's super fun to see them on. But, yeah, uh, you know, same thing with this one. Like I sort of like Andrew was sort of saying and I was saying it to her, I'm like, you know, you kind of miss a little bit of what this movie brings to the table if you're not watching it in 3D yeah. and not watching it in IMAX, which it's created for. Um, and it's like, you know, you do what you can when you're at home, but, um, I think if I do take Zoe this weekend, you know, we'll obviously aim for like any sort of 3d IMAX screening that we could find, you know, I don't think we have an IMAX at our theater, so it might be stuck to the 3d at least. Um, but you need that end of it. I think, you know, (laughs) like otherwise it's sort of like, it's, it's beyond a movie. It's, it's kind of the experience of it is, is what he's selling, you know? Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's the experience of going to the cinema like you you know when he was a kid like seeing a movie biggest life kind of thing that yeah. that's sort of his his shtick i guess but like i don't know i just i just don't think maybe maybe overseas but here in the u.s people have sort of moved on from avatar at this point Well, i think they have but here's the thing because like i said i hadn't seen it in years at this point and I went back and I had a real fun time watching it. And I didn't think I was going to. I was sort of like, I remember liking it back then. But like, you know, blue cat people, you know, <laughs> uh, sort of telling this indigenous people story, you know, kind of a little rip off of like um, Dances with Wolves in a way. You know, Pocahontas. You know, like white all that savior kind. sort of thing, whatever. Um, but it was fun. And the reality is, and I think it's probably going to be the exact same thing with Way of Water. A, it's a visual feast. It's just mm-hmm. fun to see the things because the things are pretty and different and, and colorful and big. Right. And then the battles were really cool. Like, that's something I kind of forgot. Like, you know, like the big battle that they have, you know, over everything at the end where they're, they're on like those flying creatures and like mm-hmm. the ships are going on. Like, it's just fun to watch. Like, it was just like a fun battle. It, it was, you know, like a nice choreographed out thing. Um. And then three again, like I think seeing it in the theater with that experience level is is kind of fun. That said, like I was having this conversation with my comic book guy. Yeah, like I, I don't know that I care like what happened to Pandora 15 years later. And the fact that he wants to do like seven of these things, like I think it's it's five, I think. Five well, even five. Like what comes next in this? Who, it's yeah, like, all exactly. right, Who cares? end of Avatar, they send the the alien, you know, occupiers packing and send them back home. Well, obviously they were going to come back. You know what I mean? Like right. instead of one ship, they're going to come back with like 10 ships and, you know, they want 
the stuff that's there. They want the the unobtainium. They want the land. They want whatever. Mm. Um, and they mentioned in the first movie that Earth is basically like kaput, you know. So like they're gonna be back. So <laughs> it's like, all right, they're back. Great. So like, is that every movie? Like they have to like fight them off and send them packing, and then they show up again ten years later again, like. You know, <laughs> I feel like at the end of this movie, there's going to be like a, a joining of forces for a bigger threat for the third movie or they have to go to another planet. Well, I mean, that's now. already what it is like, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler. I think you can assume this from the trailer that they go to like these aquatic blue cat people for help. Mm-hmm. And they sort of did that in the first movie, which I forgot. Like they he you know, he becomes a Oma Takaya and he's flying on that like that extra big banshee and he's. Yeah. Um, flying to all the different nations and bringing them to come help. But then he's like going, you know, to this place where they are again, but now he's got to like learn the ways of water, I guess, you know, Um, you know, like it's going to be a lot. I mean, I got to say like from a VFX point of view, it's very ambitious. And, you know, James Cameron is somebody when it comes to water related things has been nailing it for 30 plus years, you know, like, um, you know, from uh, The Abyss to uh, Titanic. Titanic, To documentary about Titanic. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Like, he's very good with, well, I mean, that's at least hopefully mostly uh, non-VFX. But, um, you know, like the water effects in this look magnificent. And like from a VFX point of view, water is often one of the hardest things to do well and to make look really right and to really have it feel and act and, and, you know, you know, it's a very complex thing to simulate. So it's, it's cool that they're featuring that quite as heavily as they are. And it'll make a lot of VFX people super duper happy, you know, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, I'll go see it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do the, the holiday blockbuster thing and check it out. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Speaking of which, let's take a look at what was happening this holiday back in December 1992 with our Box Office 30 segment. Okay, December 92. So now what's funny is, uh, you'll see if you remember this, um, probably not too far off from this time of year last year, I was mentioning that December 1992 was looking like an insane month, just this huge list of stuff that was like all these big, 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 big titles. And the reality of it is like, that's still the case. If you just run down the list from like one through 35, there's a lot of really amazing movies on the list. However, most of them came out in previous months. You know, there's even some hanger-ons from as far back as March, which I'm curious if that's like a re-release. They got the cutting edge still. Like, it can't possibly still be in theaters. I'm thinking they just did a a re-release or something. Maybe, because I think it does take place kind of like around wintertime. And you got to remember, a lot of these movies do re-releases because of the fact that they want to get Oscar buzz. Yes, yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's why it's you know back in the list this month. But the list overall is actually fairly short. I have uh, let's see here, two, four, six, about ten, eight, twelve, 10, yeah, eleven. There's eleven movies on the list. Oh no, there's more. I, I forgot two below it. <laughs> Thirteen. So it's not like our longest list. It's maybe not our shortest list, but it, it goes quick. So um, I thought that was interesting. But there, it's pretty loaded with recognizable titles. So um, more on that in a minute. 
Our top film for December is Aladdin with a December gross of $79.6 million. In the number two spot is last month's featured film, which was also number two in November, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York with $72 million. And in the number three spot is A Few Good Men with $63.1 million in earnings. Thanks as usual to everyone who voted on our listener poll. We had kind of a smaller group of votes this month. Um, there was a couple like last minute ads, which I was curious if uh, you or Angie or somebody was like voting at the uh, tail end there because like first I did, it was like a five day poll. I think the first four days there were six votes and all of a sudden the last day there was jumped up to 11. But uh, there was a period of time where all three movies were tied 33, 33, 33. So I thought that was pretty funny, but um in last place, I'm sorry, Michael, The Bodyguard with 18.2% of the vote. In second place, A Few Good Men, 27.3% of the vote. And with all the vote, 54.5%, Aladdin, <laughs> 11 total votes. Um, but I, we're going to kind of like put a little thumbtack in that and come back to our featured film in a little bit here. Let's take a first uh, quick look through the box office segment here so um starting us at number three um both uh, number one and two are, are previous month movies number three a few good men uh again super memorable movie um very I think intense your wife movie nailed it the best though so i think i think angie really hit the nail on the head other than the real intense courtroom scene there's a handful of little moments that i can visually remember about that movie but i think most of the movie stems from the courtroom scene and the interaction well, see, with him, I, you're him giving and Jack my wife's credit, but this is what I was saying. <laughs> so I, that's my point on this movie. And I think I even said it on the last podcast is that the only thing about that movie that I remember is we want the truth. You can't handle the truth, you know? And you know, like there's like a, a, a lot of case, whatever, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't remember a lot of the rest of that movie. Like, I don't remember if half that movie is Tom Cruise going around and interviewing people and trying to dig up stuff. I don't remember if it's Jack Nicholson running around doing something different. I only really, truly remember that one scene. I know I've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. It's just that, like, that's so iconic. That seems to be the one thing that really sticks out. It doesn't seem like it has, like, a lot of thread in my mind that, that is... You know, like, oh, remember that other really amazing scene from A Few Good Men? You know, so I think that's where it's at. And then, but like, she, I think she was saying that like, there is kind of sort of other bits of it that are are interesting. For me personally, and I've said it multiple times on this podcast, my memory is shot. I can't place what it is. You know, like, I don't know what it is. So that's why like, it, it stands off as like a big and successful movie. It goes on to make $141.3 million dollars. I mean, so the, it it does some box office, but I just cannot, for the life of me, remember anything the, else about it. The craziest thing about the, this movie is it has a tremendous cast. Obviously, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Then you have Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Pollock. You go down, you know, Noah Wiley, Cuba Gooding Jr. The list goes on. Like, there's so many big name people at this time in this movie, and yeah. they all put in very good performances. But again. Outside of the courtroom scene, I can visually remember a scene where Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. are having a conversation in the barracks, I think. But I'm that's about all I got. And there's like a part in an apartment where Tom Cruise and Demi Moore and Kevin Pollock are having a conversation trying to sort, sort out the evidence. And that's all I got. That's the yeah. whole movie. That's all I can think well, of. 
Moving down to number six, we're jumping a whole three other places down to number six is Forever Young, which is a Mel Gibson movie. I actually do remember this movie. Um, this was one of these ones where my mom bought it, you know, in like a chick flick sort of let me buy that VHS. Like that was my mom. Like she always was buying like all the love story stuff on VHS. So um, I saw this back then. Um, so I don't know if you remember this movie I or do. not, but essentially the guy um, is a pilot and he gets frozen with like a cryogenic sort of thing. I don't remember exactly why, but um, they essentially like thaw him out in like 92 or whatever, you know, by accident. Time. Yeah. Um, and he sort of starts having like this, like adverse reaction where then the rest of the film is that he starts getting older. But in the meantime, him and I think whoever the woman is that, that was either a doctor or whoever that like thought him out, like fall in love. Yeah. And then it's like very sad because he's like, you know, Benjamin buttoning sort of thing, <laughs> like getting, yeah. getting old, like really quick sort of thing. Um, for my purposes, there was several movies that I felt like were very similar in a vein to this. Not necessarily that it each involved like somebody being cryogenically frozen, but there was Phenomenon, there was Michael, um, there was lots of things like this where it's like somebody, something big, inciting accident, sort of surreal, sort of out of this normal world thing happens with them, and then it sets off chain of yeah. you know events. You know, like Michael it was like the descended angel oh, yeah. and they fall in love. And then like he's going to like, I guess, like die to become an angel again or something like that. I forget. That's also City of Angels as well with the, with the Nicolas Cage. Yes. <laughs> same, same story. Um, uh, so put, even enhancing my point here, um, Phenomenon, which I actually quite like. Oh, I love that movie. It's a, um, a great, great you know, movie. He, he starts to like be able to control things telekinetically with his mind. He has a seizure and like unlocks some part of his brain. But Yeah, but- like like stuff that's been totally proven false. Like I remember the famous line is sort of something like, you know how like we're only ever using like 10% of our brain. Michael's using 100% of his brain. So he's able to have these powers. Like in reality, that's all nonsense. Like we are like generally always using like, you know, like percent, just not necessarily on what you're focusing on. It's like being run other processes yeah. like, I don't know, breathing, heart beating. I learned like, the whole you know? Portuguese language in 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I, I love that line. You learn the Portuguese language in ten minutes. <laughs> Not all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, that's a great movie. It'll be fun to talk a bit more yeah. when we get to that. But um, Forever Young is is on that sort of like list for me, but it's lower on that list. Yeah, for me. It's, it's watchable, but it's it's not. A, I don't like it as much as some of the others. The next one down is a Muppet Christmas Carol, which <laughs> t- for me really was like my. I would say second like foray into Christmas Carol stories other than like the Disney animated like Scrooge McDuck version of it. And this was really my first introduction to Michael Caine also. And and, uh, I really enjoy this movie, especially years later when they, when I watched the making of and how they built these like platforms where they, where they would walk along. It was the craziest set design they ever, I've ever seen in trying to make them feel the same or similar heights to him. And it's just all the Muppet stuff is incredible like that. Like anytime you see what they had to do behind the scenes, was this also the last Jim Henson movie that I don't remember. Um, it was either this or one of the Ninja Turtles movies. It was like one of the last um, Jim Henson movies that he was alive. Yeah, for. 
Yeah, it's a little hard to say. It might very well be um, because I do remember being pretty youngish, like about this age when he passed. So I, I, you might be right on that. Um, I, like, I like to kill off people early. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. Let's check. So uh, Michael, says, Jim Henson's dir- actually alive, right? <laughs> it it says director is Brian Henson, but I wonder if some somehow Jim Henson was somewhat involved in this movie before he passed. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Um, this is a yearly watch at our house, even before we had kids. Uh, Ange loves this movie to death and, um, it's grown on me. Uh, you know, like I, not to say I didn't like it, but, um, I didn't necessarily need to watch it every year, but now it's kind of becoming like we need to watch it every year. Um, music is fabulous. Um, they did a really great job with the whole thing. Michael Caine is awesome in it. As you're saying that I'm starting to think I'm like, yeah, it's probably one of my first, if not first Michael Caine introductions too. I also love that you mentioned the Scrooge McDuck, uh, Christmas Carol, because that's probably also my fit first foray into like the Christmas, umpteen Carol. Yeah. Christmas carols that I've seen since, uh, including, uh, really awesome one. They did Scrooge <laughs> is, is great. Uh, the one that they did a couple of years back on FX, um, where it was like really like a dark, dark take on it. Super awesome. It was so good. Um, but I have to tell you my most favorite um, take on a Muppet Christmas Carol, which is something that I didn't even know existed until about two weeks ago is Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a YouTube video. Oh yes. You there's a YouTube. It. Yes. I saw that. And it's him performing a one man version of a Muppet Christmas Carol. Wow. It's about six minutes or so long. And it's the best six minutes you'll spend today. If you just drop what you're doing, stop listening to the podcast, go check it out. And spurred by that, and I have not watched it yet, but I fully intend to in the coming days. Basically, like right after that came out and was doing its rounds, they did a roundtable with Brett Goldstein interviewing the Muppets on their (laughs) recollection of filming A Christmas Carol, which is so meta and so wonderful. And I I guarantee it's going to be great. So uh, that's the one I have not yet seen, but I I need to go do that like today after we're done recording this because like just watching him in this thing, it was like the best six minutes that day that I watched. It It was so great. (laughs) Like his Kermit is so hilarious Um, because you, you know, you used to that. Soccer player voice, like the you know sort of thing he's doing the whole time, and then he's like, "You were in Kermit," you know, like doing like that kind of like. It is so so funny. It's so great. Uh, but he actually dresses up for each character, like oh, that's, he, like that's he, hilarious. He's doing it on stage, so he's doing like quick like like wardrobe swaps to to be the various characters. So it's it's really wonderful. Um, and the audience starts singing along. It's it's a great time. Um, number ten on this list is a movie that I know is is definitely on. <laughs> your list for all time favorites, right? <laughs> this is my least favorite Robin Williams movie far and away, like by yeah. far though, my least favorite. I, I can't even, if this movie is ever on, I turn it off faster than I can press the remote. I like psychically turn the T. I hate this movie. This movie sucks. It's, it's an absolute dumpster fire piece of garbage. Show period. us on the doll where the the toys movie touched you. <laughs> I just, I yeah. Movie. Um, this is a movie I did not see in the first year it came out. Probably not even in the second, third year, fourth year. This is a movie that I eventually saw on a bus. Um, I think it was a school trip. And for some reason, somebody brought that to put on. And 
I remembered people not liking it. I remembered it having like a not positive view in light of like Robin Williams, many other big fun movies. So that's why I just like had kind of like avoided it, but I'm like, all right, I'm on the bus. I'll watch it. Um, And it was okay. (laughs) Like I don't despise it as much as you do, but it's definitely like probably way towards the bottom of my list of, of Robin Williams movies as well. Um, Ange likes it a little bit better than I do, but it was like, it was fine. You know, he has some fun Robin Williams moments is the only thing that saves it. Otherwise it's like, yeah. So the next one on the list is a movie that I actually saw in the theaters. Uh, Number 11 is leap of faith, which is a Steve Martin movie where he plays like a, like in a traveling evangelist kind of like, you know, I'll heal you with my hand kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, And he goes to this town and, you know, sets up his whole set and and the town completely buys into his whole shtick. And he even, you know, heals a, a boy who is like has problems walking or whatever. And like he walks with, with crutches and such like that. And he thinks that he's being conned by the same town. And it's this it's a comedy that turns very dark as it goes further on in the movie. And it's it's a very different style Steve Martin film because it starts off very Steve Martin-y and yeah. then it goes very, very in a different direction. And I actually like the movie a lot. Um, I don't watch it all that often, but whenever I've watched it, I was like, oh, this is a very different movie for him Yeah, in a way. At number 14, we have Hoffa with uh, Jack Nicholson competing against himself. Oh, this one. <laughs> Um, one thing that I didn't know, but I was surprised to just find out, is this is directed by Danny DeVito as well as um, him, you know, also starring in it. Really, I thought this was like a Scorsese thing, but I guess not. Oh wow, who knew? Yeah, I was a little surprised because I, I think I don't know if I thought it was Scorsese necessarily, but I thought it was somebody in that vein. Right. Um, so it was a little surprising that he's the uh, the uh, the guy for this one. Interesting. I guess they still haven't found Hoffa. <laughs> Uh, under the old giant stadium still <laughs> see i thought i heard it was jets or something yeah same know, stadium that, same place yeah yeah oh that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah but you of all people who's a jets fan why would you go with giants well they they used to call it giant stadium it, oh, before right. it was Fair before enough. it was before it was metlife stadium it was giant stadium that's where the jets Fair played enough. i got gotcha. you so there you go that's Number why. 16 on the list is a movie called Trespass. Now, I don't think I recognize I don't this know one. this movie at all. Uh, it's got a kind of a fun idea. So it says, two firemen in a burning building get a treasure map. Stolen gold church items are hidden in a closed-down factory in St. Louis. Once there, they're trapped in by a, by a black gang considering it their territory. Well, that turned really quickly. <laughs> I, was, I got I, excited when I read the first line that's like it's got a treasure map and then it's just like, nope. <laughs> I must point out that this is a ice tea ice cube collaboration Ooh. <laughs> with Bill Paxton and William Sadler from Die Hard 2. <laughs> Uh, my good buddy, uh, Trevor, that I always mention on this podcast, I used to watch a ton of movies with as a kid. Um, with Ice T and Ice Cube being out there, he came up with his original AOL Instant Messenger name, Ice Trey. I thought that was <laughs> so funny. <laughs> when can we get him on? We need to get him on the podcast. For we an do, episode. no. And I, I asked him one time, um, not too long ago. Uh, I'm going to be heading out to my parents for the holidays. So if I run into him there, 
I'm going to force him to come on because he does listen. He might be listening right now. He definitely <laughs> listens in for like the Home Alone episode. So, so um, yeah. Sur- surprisingly, number 26 on the list, but also it's a December 23rd release, yes. is Scent of a Woman, which be- goes on to be a juggernaut of a movie. Like, I would say post theaters, like really like, you know, cause it doesn't really gross all that much overall. It it's only- a little shocking. Yeah. The number for December is 842,840. And, so, and then it makes a total of like 63 million, which is still low for a movie that I think, did this win best picture? I know he won best actor. I don't recall. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Uh, because I was going to say like among like a few good men and things like that on this list, this is probably, one of my big favorites, you know. Um, let's see. We'll have to do the little IMD. <laughs> okay, so they won a 1993 Best Actor, Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. There you go. So comes out swinging. Um, here's my guess. Um, especially because it's December 23rd as the release date, my guess is that they did a very limited start release. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. But my if I had to, you know, like take a stab at it, it, it might be that they put it out in like 10 theaters, 20 theaters and then like put it out to the wider release, which ends up at, you know, according to this, twelve hundred fifty two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the only way I could kind of reconcile that given who's in it, you know, who's directing it, like, you know, like you know, all the sort of stuff that it goes on to do. Um, I don't know. I, I try and look it up really quick. Okay, yes, I hit the nail on the head. So uh, December 23rd is a limited release. January 8th is its full official U.S. Uh, So they released it in December so that they could get considered for the Oscar buzz, and then they did a wider release afterwards. Uh, That's what they did. Squeaked it in there. (laughs) Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, so at least it it adds up then for why this is like all the way down at the butt end of the list, even with a December 23rd date, you know? So... The next on the list is – it takes a big jump. We go from 26 to 27 to Peter's Friends. Yes. I've never heard of this movie. It's a Hugh Laurie, Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson movie. <laughs> Even Fry. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of this either. Obviously, it must be a UK um, that hops over here given that group. Um, I kind of want to see it now because his name is my name too. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, the, uh, the log line is so like, you know, just wheat bread. It's, uh, six former college friends with two new friends gather for a new year's Eve weekend reunion at a large English countryside manor after 10 years to reminisce about the good times now long gone. So that's gotta be fun. It's the prequel (laughs) to love actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, there's no like. But then somebody comes in and commits murder, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's just like they, there's no hook past that. It's just like people like reminiscing about stuff, I guess. Yeah, they mourn over the loss of a dead friend. That died. Yeah, that's what the story should be. Like, that's where it goes. You know, they got together because somebody else died, I guess. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. What do you got next on the list? Number 28, we have used people. Um, again, this uh, number 30 damage. Don't do anything for me. Number 31 is Chaplin, and I'm trying to figure out this wouldn't have been the Robert Downey Jr. one, I don't think. I think it is. Yes, that that is. is that's, a, that's the poster for it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of 
su- surprised so, again. It's a de- December twenty fifth release so date. Opening, Maybe this is another one that's limited release in, in oh, you know hope says, for the Oscar. It says opening in five theaters. There you go. Yeah. So it must be the same thing again because this one's even worse off than set of a woman. Uh, again, number thirty one. 162,285 on a December 25th release date. So here I'm going to, I'm going to make a hot take here on this. So we all know that, um, Al Pacino wins best actor for Sin of a woman. Robert Downey Jr. Was up for best actor in Chaplin. If I had to pair the two against each other, I think Robert Downey Jr. had the better performance because he becomes Chaplin in this movie. But I think ultimately the reason why they give it to Al Pacino is because he's been nominated so many times that it never won before. Like he should have won for Dog Day Afternoon or one of the Godfather movies or a whole I think there's that. Um, you know, Al Pacino is one of these actors where no matter what role he's playing, it's always some guy who's going to be going, Hey, what you doing? You know, like, like kind of just like, it, like he doesn't change that drastically from film to film. That said, this is a super memorable character. Mm-hmm. It's a super heartfelt plot to the movie. I think it just um, tugged heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, RDJ, all respect to him. He does like embody that role. So he does an awesome job with it. Um, but I, I maybe combined with your thought line that he had been snubbed or whatever. I, I think this is just like, this is probably among, and again, he's got a lot of memorable characters, but this is probably among like one of the most memorable characters in my so. mind that Al Pacino's ever done. I mean, you got, you know, Scarface and you got like all mm-hmm. these, you know, different like big deal characters he's done over time. So like, there's none dearth to choose from, you know? Um, but I, I think this is it's a heartfelt character, which he doesn't do very often. You know right. what I mean? Um, and it's an interesting character. And of course, he's playing blind, um, which is, you know, I, I feel like Hollywood always sort of rewards actors that are um, playing anybody that has some form of a, a disability bit, or yeah. another. So it could even be something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I quite like the movie. It's, it's one I of know, my favorites. Listen, of I, I love the movie. I just think performance wise yeah no i totally totally agree it, it could have been I, I a toss up the oscars is always funny like that you know what i mean like there's always you know your oscars snubs and surprises um i think there's always these ones where you're like so expecting it's going to go one way and then it kind of goes a different way I, i'd be curious to know if people thought that chaplin was like a clear winner or if it was you know more backstage to something like this you know i don't mm-hmm. know who the favorite was that year yeah. so hard to say um, that brings us to the tail end of our list with um, what would normally be the Miramax, but this is a international film circuit release, <laughs> Night and Day. Um, and it's a French movie. I'm not even going to bother reading the, uh, yeah. the log line. I, I'm um, shocked there's no Miramax film on this list, though. Yeah, this comes out in one theater and does $6,397. So I don't know what the point of that even was. There you go. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, this is normally where we would jump into our next segment, which is our recall segment, but Michael and I thought we'd do something a little different this month in part because we each really like some of these movies from the voting and, um, you know, a little bit of, um, making up for being often late with releases lately. So (laughs) we're going to do a three movie review episode where we rewatch the movies and summarize our thoughts on them rather than trying to do the, you know, big in-depth review that we would do on each 
Um, plus, we have the bonus episode uh, out that we just released for Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. So if you haven't seen that, go check that out. Uh, at least seen that. Listen to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we're going to do a year-end wrap-up as well. So it's a December of giving on Box Office 30 as we attempt to complete not two, but four shows for you. So we've got the Guardians one in the bag. This one's now in the bag. We're going to try and do this three-movie review, and we're going to see if we can squeak in that little end-of-year um, you know, wrap it up, uh, things. So wrap it up is, is what we're going to do right now. So, um, Michael, tell them where they can uh, find us. So if you're on the Facebooks or the Twitters, you can go to box office three zero and you can follow us, like us, comment, you know, tweet at us if you want to, if you're still on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, you can go to box office T H I R T Y and you can see, our posts about our episodes. You can also go to our website, boxoffice30.com, and listen to our back episodes. You can go on, you know, like and subscribe us on, on iTunes and Podbean and Spotify, uh, wherever, Spotify you wherever you find podcasts. Exactly. Wherever you like <laughs> to listen to podcasts, please, you know, check us out. If you're on iTunes, give us a five star review. If you like our show, let us know what we can do to improve and do more and create some cool content. We want to start doing more with the limited time we have and create some cool stuff. You can also go to our T public store and get some cool merch. Maybe you're looking for a last minute gift idea. I keep getting the emails from T public, get the final days, get it before the holidays <laughs> order now. So, you know, check it out. It's some pretty cool stuff on there. I got to get myself some new stuff. I need a hoodie or two, but also as always want to thank Jason and Mickey for, for first of all, being so patient with us with late <laughs> releases and stuff, but also giving us a platform to talk to each other and hang out and do our podcasts and just have a great time together. Like you don't understand this, this to Pete and I is a lot because we love just hanging out and talking about movies. And if, if what we say about movies connects with somebody else out there in the internet world, we, that is even better for us. It's gravy. So yeah, thank 100%. you, Jason and Mickey. And, you know, also, Thank you for your very generous holiday gift for us. It was really, really thoughtful and un- unnecessary, but very appreciative. So thank you. Yeah, great guys at the Retro Network. And uh, I would always you know, use this point in time to jump off and just mention, if you've somehow found us and you haven't found the Retro Network, go take a look. Uh, theretronetwork.com has a ton of amazing written articles, other podcasts, uh, some video content, it's really like a one-stop shop for all things retro. Um, and there's a lot of really great creators on the platform there with us. Um, so really go uh, check them out, throw them a bone. Uh, and like Michael said, if you have five minutes today and you like what you hear on our show, just go give us a review over on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can find, because it really helps us out to get the word out, to get the show out to more people. Um, this is actually our 60th episode. So if you've enjoyed upwards of 60 plus episodes. If you include our bonus episodes, um, the very least you could do is go give us a (laughs) review over on iTunes. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for us this month. Uh, Tune in in a couple of weeks and see if we manage to squeak out a three movie review. That's going to be setting the bar high. It's like, you know, I thought somehow we were uh, uh, doing something, you know, we've been running late. It's like, you know, let's make up for being late by trying to do a three movie review (laughs) with Christmas this next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna set a, a a limit that we have to do no more than ten comments per movie, and we can't spend more than thirty minutes per film. And move yeah, hundred percent. No, it's gonna be lightning round. I don't even think even thirty minutes. Probably like twenty-ish uh, minutes. We'll see. 
Um, 25. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, tune in then, friends. Uh, for now, that's it for us. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. I'm going to do one of those. Bye. of the Retro Network.